Good morning and welcome to Monday morning, September the 25th and 2023 on When I Arise. Today we begin year A, proper week 21, which is the 18th Sunday after Pentecost. And on the Monday of the week, we'd like to take a look at the Old Testament passage, which comes to us from this week from the Revised Common Lectionary in this week of the church's calendar year. And so we find ourselves back in the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 17, verses 1 through 7. So let me read that passage. Provide a couple points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making us part of your morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. Exodus chapter 17, verses 1 through 7. The whole Israelite community set out for the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses replied, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Go out in front of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff which you struck the Nile, and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Massah and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled, and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us? or not. This is the word of God for us. So this appeared to be one of the foundational stories that they would tell again and again because there's a rich lesson or perhaps even like an identity marker in the midst of the story that helped Israel find its own way and its situatedness with God. Uh, so this story is repeated again in Numbers chapter 20. It's just worth noting that uh, the region in which the story takes place is not the desert of Sin, like it says here in Exodus, but the area of Kadesh. It's also uh, mentioned in Deuteronomy chapter 32. It's in a couple different Psalms as well, Psalm 87 and Psalm 106. And uh, here recently I was listening to an Old Testament scholar talk about the story and there's a similar story in an extra biblical book called Jubilees. Okay, uh, put that one on your reading list if it's on the Kindle version or something like that. But in the the, the attribute to the story in Jubilees, the, the rock actually follows the people of God as they go from place to place in the wilderness. So it's not just like in this one place, but to Jubilees, it seems to try to harmonize all the different mentions of this story by surmising that uh, perhaps this rock, not only was it magical in that it provided water on this day, but it also, <laughs> take this in with me, it follows them around like some, some traveling water tank for the people of God. So that they're not just, you know, you know, their thirst is not just quenched in this moment, but it's also quenched at any other moment during the wilderness journeys. And if you're willing to kind of take it in with me this morning, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul mentions this story, this water from the rock being the water from Christ himself. And when Paul had the option of talking about this stationary rock in the canonical accounts 
or to talk about this traveling rock from the extra biblical account of Jubilees. Believe it or not, Paul actually is is using the Jubilees account and not the Exodus or the Numbers account. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, he talks about how this water, sorry, this rock accompanied them through the wilderness and that water being Christ. So I don't know, that's just some background nerd information for us. So what is the golden jewel? What is the nugget of truth or the lesson that's uh, within this story? Um, it's just worth noticing that this seems to be a repeat of last week's passage, right? Where the Israelites grumbled against Moses. Moses felt I don't know, like he was between a rock and a hard place, uh, traumatized by the fact that God would call him to be the leader of this wayward people. But in this edition, this episode of the, wonder, the Wilderness Wandering Journeys, it's not hunger that's plaguing the people of God, but it's thirst. You know, this like basic need that, uh, that needs to be met now that they're freed from the land of Egypt. And so um, God promises that he's going to bring water from the rock. And he does. And their thirst is quenched. But it's just funny, like how what this tale is told and how it's like named as this location in their story. It's not didn't talk about anything about uh, the miraculous water from the rock, but it dwells on the idea of grumbling, of complaining, and of even testing God. And what a peculiar picture. Like we're told and we're admonished not to put our God to the test. I mean, that's one of the punchlines that Jesus gave the devil when he's tempted in the wilderness, that he's not going to put the Lord God to the test. God does tell us that he can test we can test him in, re, in regards to provision, right? In Malachi chapter 3, the famous before the uh, before the offering sermon from preachers that we we should not test God unless we test him on his faithfulness to provide for our needs, right? But here like to dub this story to give it a title, this location is named by how God tested or sorry, how people tested their God. And this seems to be okay. Or maybe it's not okay. Or maybe it's just left in, it's shrouded in mystery, right? It's forever known as a place where God and his people kind of lock horns and tie up. And God sorts it out. Um, We might ask ourselves, you know, if people knew that they were writing scripture, like, don't you suppose they'd want to weigh in on it saying, hey, can we name these places something else? So we don't have to like highlight the fact that the people of God are really acting all out of sorts with their God on this in you know in this instance uh, should we uh, clean it up and call it something else like water from the rock instead of testing and trying and complaining I'm just reminded of uh, somebody gave a quotation about the game of baseball what's uh, good about the game of baseball is that uh, when keeping stats they keep track of mistakes made by players but it's not like basketball where those mistakes are just, you know, they're kind of hidden in the stat book or maybe deep in the score sheet. Like even on ESPN right now, if you're watching a basketball game, maybe you're watching the WNBA because it's the only uh, season, you know, that's playing right now. But you actually have to do like expanded stat view to see the turnovers from the players, right? But isn't it funny, like in baseball, like on the scoreboard itself, errors are kept track of. Um, Somebody was just talking about baseball and they said that keeping track of errors is actually this rugged commitment to truthfulness about the game itself. And I've always, I've latched onto that quotation. Um, As the redeemed people of God, um, we're going to be tempted to clean up our lives and to sanitize all the mistakes out of them. Um, But I think what's uh, native and what's base 
what's at the root of Christianity is not the fact that we've stumbled on this great truth and we're heroes and triumphant, but uh, the very base of Christianity is redemption. That's the core of who we are, is that we were once lost, but now we were found blind, but now we can see. And um, this is what I admire about this story, is that uh, we're not going to hide the fact that the people of God were kind of acting the fool in this episode. Uh, But nevertheless, God, who's gracious and kind and benevolent, still provides for the needs, right? So Christian brother and sister, you're not going to be tempted to sanitize um, maybe some of these parts of our lives that are still out of shape, what, what it means to be Christian. And we're going to have a choice to hide them and to like, you know, downplay them and to justify them in order for us not to have the embarrassment, the, the red cheeks in, in regards to our human experience. But to know we need to, maybe should we embrace them at some depth? Like we shouldn't glorify them. You know, there's like this movement in our culture today to like, I don't know, to overdo it with our mistakes and to try to garner people's sympathies by being so outlandish and out of proportion about our mistakes. So maybe there's a good tension between we shouldn't like deny our mistakes, but neither should we like relish within them. But um, maybe there's a, a, a good moderation. That moderation is to say, you know what? I'm going to embrace the fact that I've fallen short. But in falling short, that's where I've met the mercy of God. And he's putting me back together on all those places. So with those things in mind, let's spend some time praying to our God this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we think of that even though we were once lost, we are now found. Even though we were once blind to the truth, and now we see it. And we think that we get to gaze upon the face of Jesus, who is the way and the truth and the life. And so this day, we know that we don't measure up to the people that you want us to be. But instead of denying it and justifying it and hiding from it, or instead of um, keeping up shame and self-condemnation, we thank you that we can embrace Jesus because he's the one who's gracious and kind, who leads us into all truth. God, we think today that the truth sets us free. And so as we embrace what is true about who you are and about who we could become, uh, we just simply pray that uh, we would find your life within us we think that the hope of glory is Christ within us, and that is not just for tomorrow, but it's also for today. So God, for those things which are still misshapen in our lives that need to be tended to, we simply pray for your grace, for your kindness, and for the wisdom to take steps towards freedom and take steps towards redemption and steps towards the life that is truly life. And so as we take those courageous and hard and difficult steps today, may you greet us with your strength so that we can be built up in our faith once more today. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.